What's up, it's John Savage. Uh, there's a million things we all want to do, but how to do them all. So I'm going to try help unpack all those things, podcasting, AI, and tech, so that you don't have to worry about the how. Welcome to the Wasteland episodes. Why the Wasteland episodes? Because I actually started a podcast in 2016 called The Digital Caveman. And it was all about like uh, interviewing the smartest minds that were trying to navigate the digital world. And if um, I spoke to some amazing people from all around the world, there are about 10 episodes. And I'm just going to dump them all here uh, from 2016. I don't know if I said that or not. Um, I thought they were pretty interesting. Uh, they're kind of out of date at this moment. So one thing it might inspire you to, it might just give you context of what's happened in the last few years. And three, you can hear some of the brightest minds in the digital space speaking sometimes way ahead of their time, sometimes during their time. <laughs> All right. And then um, here's 10 episodes that I'm just dropping. And then after that, we'll go to the uh, the next stuff. All right. The world of advertising, entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation are in a new era of transformation. It's tough out there. And there are no rules. That's why we all need to group together and help each other out of the darkness into the light. We are all digital cavemen. This is the Digital Caveman Podcast, brought to you by Thread. It's John Savage here. This is another episode of the uh, Digital Caveman Podcast. And it's a great honor to be crossing over to London to probably one of the most well-known and legendary agencies there, Poke. And Nick, you're one of the founders of Poke. One of the handful of founders. So there was six founders in the beginning, of which there are now three remaining in our 16th year and with... Uh, We've lost half our um, our payload. So this is uh, Nick Rube here, who's just introduced himself as one of the surviving founders of Poke. <laughs> so can you tell me a bit about, I mean, for those who don't know Poke, just you seem to be way more than an agency and you seem to be stretching out in a whole lot of interesting directions. Can you tell me a bit more about what Poke sees yourself as? Firstly, just to justify why that's happening or why we get involved in other things, the first thing to state is, you know, the reason we got involved in digital isn't because, you know, because we happened to develop a skill we could trade, you know, at that time or, you know, had a particular kind of, you know, opportunity we're looking at. We really, we really founded it on the principle that digital just brings people closer to interesting, wonderful things that excite them. So in a way, it's even though everything we've done is, is in some way, shape or form, not even involved in digital, really the, the end, you know, what we're aiming for, what we're trying to achieve with it is profoundly undigital. It's just a basic human thing, which is, you know, awesome stuff exists out there. The media is actually a pretty crude tool to connect to people with it. Digital is much, much better for a whole bunch of reasons. So our interests aren't, you know, it's, it's funny, you sort of, our, our careers are all bound up with technology and yet, our real passion is, is, you know, exists beyond it. So, you know, we've all been excited about other things. We've all, as partners, always given each other license to explore other things because that, you know, if you if you see the world in the way that we see it, then exercising and indulging those passions is, is a way of enhancing our story, but also enhancing our, you know, our capability of, of doing the same thing for our clients who, of course, are passionate about their own needs and desires and their own their own objectives and ambitions and that digital in the same way is a means to those ends 
obviously everybody gets very confused about that yeah. it's, you know, it's because of the complexity and because you know new technology is so so you know has this incredible kind of you know alluring novelty aspect of it and just doing something with new technology is interesting in its own right although ultimately shallow so um, so that's why we've ended up doing you know getting involved in lots of different things so let's just talk about that confusion for a minute i mean the beauty of of the digital media is just that there are so many cool and interesting things that are kind of coming out of nowhere that are unexpected and that's what makes it exciting but now now you're obviously in a space where you've got to try and insert a brand into a very cool space in a way that benefits both sides the engaged the user and the brand so what do you find are are the trickiest obstacles there and and what do you find is a methodology that works for you well i think the hardest thing really is is to and it sounds really stupid because it sounds counter-commercial. It sounds like it doesn't, it's strategic. It doesn't make sense if you're running a business, you want to make money, which is, you know, the first thing is not being seduced by the path of least resistance. And the path of least resistance is, by that I mean specifically in our business, is selling the thing that's the most sellable, selling the thing that's going to be easiest out of the blocks, that's going to get the money in the door the quickest. Because, you know, over the last 15 years for us, that, you know, sometimes that's been sort of peddling social media, uh, you know, intern keyboard smashers to, you know, to flash corporate, uh, you know, uh, intros or whatever years and years before that. There's always something that's easy to sell. There's always some very kind of seductive element of the new technology that captures the imaginations of the, of the, of the buying end of the market. That's always the easiest stuff to sell. But so often it's the thing with the least amount of value is the thing that everybody's doing everybody's doing for the wrong reasons it's not building any equity for for brands and um, you know and therefore it's just ultimately also then erodes the credibility and standing of the of the industry because it's not really creating any value if you see what i mean so our approach is always is always to take you know it's taken a kind of human centered a kind of position and it's simply saying that you know yeah digital is amazing right it's completely changing everything on one hand, but at the same time, there's one thing that doesn't change, which is human beings. And that now, yes, you know, yes, it profoundly affects the way that we relate to, relate to each other. But irrespective of how all the transmissions and the mechanics of, of the media work, at some point, it has to jump from a screen or a phone or, a, you know, an earbud or whatever it is, either into our eyes, into our ears, into our noses, into our, you know, fingers and, and you know, and, and, and sensory uh, network. And it then travels into our brain. It's like whatever it is, however it reaches us, at the end, it, it has to make its way into our minds and into our hearts and into our bodies. And and the degree to which that affects us and moves us and you know entertains us or appalls us, whatever whatever it is we're trying to, to, to achieve in communication and or in kind of business and transactions, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, that's all that matters. And when you when you when you think about it like that, then it gives you the tools to kind of look back at, you know, is this new technology something that's gonna give us a new kind of tool or a new new leverage in 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 affecting that and so you know take a contemporary example would be something like you know virtual reality now you know is is the virtual reality experience a a sort of potent tool to get our ideas or our beliefs out of the company's head into the body of you know of a consumer and the answer is of course yes it's an interesting tool it's a it's a powerful tool is it by its nature going to achieve that in, the, in a way that's useful, absolutely not. Just creating a fantastic, you know, virtual reality experience may or may not achieve 
the goals and ends of a, of, a, of, a, of a brand trying to communicate with somebody. It's it's you know, it's not automatic. It needs it needs careful thought, and you know it, need, it needs again, and it needs to be seen from the point of view of, of that kind of that jump at the end, which is you know when somebody's been through this this journey with us, what will it mean? How will it resonate? And how how will that turn into conversations? What impact? What value will that create on a part of the user? Because just doing it is not valuable. To get out of the cave and move into the future, you need to be an innovator. You need to be a digital caveman. So from your perspective, and, and maybe you can reference some of the work you've done, and I think about the, your Ted Baker campaigns and stuff, how do you define what you say is the human element of, of a campaign? When you're looking at, say, social, because some of our work in the sort of social domain, not, not all of it by any means, but I think obviously in, you know, when you're looking at specific contexts like you know, Instagram, for instance, I mean, people just, you know, it's very playful and people like innovation, whether that's a technical innovation or just an innovation of the way that you do things. And, you know, because we have this sort of humanistic view of technology and this kind of irreverence built into the way that we look, we look at stuff as an agency, you know, we very quickly kind of pull things apart and find, you know, find funny angles on, on you know how to play things so i think i don't know if it's the um uh, you know type of campaign where we're kind of hiding messages in, inside the uh, you know inside the, the pictures and then those messages being revealed through the filters i mean it's a really sort of simple activity but people really you know people really liked it and obviously what you're doing you know what you're doing is calculating you're creating ideas that you know are interesting sensations but at the same time they create talkability so people are talking about those things they're showing that you know showing their friends but also you know in terms of reputation and press it's, it's something that's actually really important for the to show that as a fashion business they're forward so in fashion obviously one of the defining things of brands is how progressive are they when you estimate the the kind of currency of, of fashion brands it's a lot to do with how you know how progressive they are how how much are they on the front and how much are they inventing the world rather than just sort of being at the back you know the back being the sort of assimilators so you know whilst it's kind of a fun uh, you know interaction it's quite a light touch actually something like that can have a really you know profound effect on the reading of, of, of brands because you know you have direct effect on the on the, on the punters and the buyers and obviously the, the you know the big the bigger fans are already already followers but then in a broader way through the you know through the actual industry uh, reputation which in, in you know in turn turns into you know wholesale orders and all you know all that, all that kind of thing so um so yeah i don't know if that was too too complex an answer no that's a very interesting can you tell me a bit more about how you see i mean we started off by talking about how how sort of poke is either transforming or transformed but i mean i even look at stuff like your your here east thing which i don't even know how it fits into your business but it's just so culturally relevant and cool how do you see the agency moving with all this digital technology and how do you see ad agencies around you transforming what what, what are we transforming into just jump back into to the end user again and look at the world from their point of view so historically when the world was broken up into products and services and then communications and the communications came to us through a certain channel the products and services were experienced elsewhere they were all fractured they all operated in completely different spheres we did see them but we never saw them together at the same time now now obviously that's that's all changed and they're all completely interwoven so you know we can be doing we can be hearing about something one second and buying it the next we can be experiencing the product or experiencing a service in the next second so it's all it's all come together it's all kind of an amalgam but as a consequence it's become you know it's less and less useful to to manage communications in a silo uh, which is a real challenge you know we're still 
right in the middle, you know, we're on the beginning of the journey of, of reconstituting the way that we communicate with people as a consequence of that shift. You know, so when we would approach something like Here East, which unlike the Ted Baker, which is a very kind of like, uh, you know, short-lived, you know, intervention, Here East is a five, ten-year project. I mean, we're already three years down the line with it. And, and you know, back to what I was saying earlier about human beings, I mean, where I started was not, let's build a website to make this thing look cool. It was, what is this, you know, we've got a million square feet of commercial office space in a part of town that people don't want to go to what is going to get people there and what is going to make it rich and sustainable as a proposition as, as a piece of commercial space sorry to interrupt if you could just expand just for people who don't know what here east can you just expand a little bit more on that of course so the reason why there was a million square foot of commercial space in a part of town that not lots of people wanted to go to is because it was formerly the the media center so it's developed as a media center for the olympics in london which is out in the far east so it's, it's past way past sort of shoreditch and the the, the, the places people may have heard of um, and it's in a relatively inaccessible area. So it's obviously a real challenge. And obviously the government have a, a, have a, an obligation to try and use that area to revitalise uh, the, the local economy. So, you know, they're kind of committed to, to filling it full of smaller businesses that employ lots of local people rather than just get one big kind of data centre or distribution centre and hiring 10 people and taking up a massive slug of, you know, inner city footprints. So, you know, there was quite a gnarly problem for them. And the usual the usual kind of estate agent uh, offering, you know, would find that difficult because it's it, you know having to try and find you know a thousand small businesses to come into a site like that it's not something that they're used to so so we really sat with that difficult difficult problem right at the get-go and, and you know helped to shape the proposition so you know we, we were at the time we were in Shoreditch we were very connected with a lot of the uh, you know the council activity in the Shoreditch area to try and maintain the quality of what was happening there and we knew that one thing that was happening in Shoreditch is that everybody you know lots of lots of startups are actually being priced out of the area because it becomes too popular so we knew particularly there was a kind of new phase of you know of interest and development around you know internet of things and you know uh, digital like physical objects um but with a kind of you know born in the digital area whether they're directly connectable or whether they're more like just just conceptually uh, something that had grown because of the way that the you know the network was creating new new opportunities and they didn't really have a home they didn't really have that a cluster in the way that Shoreditch had acted as a cluster for the london startup scene so it felt like actually there was a need there there was an opportunity and there was a really interesting story around those kinds of businesses because they are fascinating you know and and you know the startup scene in london has been gaining more and more momentum so it felt like you know we could fix a bunch of things at the same time we could you know start to create an identity for the site start to actually develop out the site so things like you know if you're interested in those people and those kinds of constituents then you know how could we help them how can we really add value to the tenancy and things like you know creating workshops with lots of 3d printing uh, facilities for instance would be a would be a really kind of natural value add to, to you know to those businesses so you start to develop the story then you start to start to build out the plans of okay how do we go out and start banging our drum how do we build momentum so yeah i mean we put that package together and then we obviously went out partly you know we set our stall up in the digital sense of you know getting the site out there so there was a destination and we could start telling that story and start laying out for people but equally we're you know we're going out on road showing road showing this thing and making sure we're participating in meetups and all those things as well stuff on the ground so things that are profoundly undigital you know human beings and atoms and things in the same room and and then you know rolling that thing forward to a point where you know really gained momentum and then obviously sort of working through those through those phases i mean we've made a film along the way which you could i think you can see on our site so we, we thought what's the best way of reaching the the sort of people interested in the the, the sort of physical engineering and, and connected uh, engineering you know we thought well the best way of doing it is creating a, an amazing robot that's gonna you know it's just gonna be yeah, a human robot you know, really yeah, uh, yeah, yeah 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 exactly this is digital caveman podcast this is digital caveman podcast brought to you by brought to you by thread
So is it just a play space, really, for you, in essentially, to contribute something culturally significant as an agency, or is it a personal thing? I mean, it just blows my mind the scale of what you're doing with no real sort of a commercial purpose, unless there is. No, we get paid. That's a client project. I mean, it's it's a, the site is owned by a huge developer. You know, the speed at which we're filling that business with tenants who, because it's not just getting the business filled, it's also, you know, it's creating the demand that means that they can, you know, they can trade on on a, on a reasonable rent level. Because obviously what they don't want to do is fill the business where they're losing money on the, on the, on the tenants. So it's all about building, you know, building value in, in something, but not doing that in a cynical way for us. It's, it's saying, well, you know, we think we can do that in a really positive way. We can give this a real, a kind of grounding a sense of purpose we can create this clustering effect but i mean that's more than conveying a brand message you're building their business you know i think that's where you naturally get to and i think a lot of creative people in in the, in the business have very natural instincts to do that and and the reason why that's not you know that doesn't happen more often is because we're kind of kept in a box partly because of what i was saying earlier about you know the way that the world sees communications as being kind of bracketed and, and you know it's in, it's in a it's in a box but therefore it's it's sort of scope and power is also limited when you think about these things more broadly you know storytelling and business are not you know separate things they are the same thing uh, and the more you treat them as separately the you know the more dissonance you you get but also the more value that you lose so you know if you're if, if the business strategy is completely at odds with what you're taking out to market it, it doesn't work particularly well uh, so it doesn't build strength and also critically in in, the, in a world we live in now which is really all about transparency and the you know the forces of, of digital media and social and those things that allowing people to see the truth much more easily then that dissonance becomes much more negative and much more sort of inversely powerful it has a much greater suck on the the, you know business credibility and resonance and the aura of of brands you know you're saying something quite interesting that i've heard a few people say the idea that brands themselves have to start sort of forgetting about the message that they want to convey and start asking themselves who they are real and conveying that message is that something you agree with absolutely and we've been i mean we've been talking about it forever and It's it's a huge struggle because it's you know you have to imagine you have to remember that the, the businesses to which this is most critical are large organisations. Organisations have to, by definition, organise themselves into structures, and, and obviously once you've structured yourself around the idea that that media and communication are a a sort of downstream discipline which is which is a sort of a later consideration after the product and services sort of definition and de- de- decisions that are made on a corporate level you've already kind of undermined your opportunity for those things to be you know to be more kind of fruitfully aligned if you like right. so so what we know of social is and it's, it's when you look at startups you, you know you always think one of the other the advantages are all about the fact they've got a shed load of cash and they're young and they can stay up all night and you just think oh well that's their advantage but one of their other great advantages when they constitute their their businesses they they are you know their business their model their proposition their service their service experience their customer services all of those things what you tend to find with all of them is they're all inherently connected every single touch point everything you experience is you know it reinforces the brand mm. wherever it may be and and because it just obviously when you when you're a startup and you're young and you live in a world where you kind of expect organizations to be coherent across all of these touch points then it just feels so much stronger and that's what gives those 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 kind of brands and those those uh, you know those new businesses such an advantage whilst organization bigger organizations particularly ones that have constituted in, in previous you know the sort of earlier era really struggle with that idea because they're just not built for coherence because mm. it was never an issue they could afford for their business development people to be kind of establishing the you 
know the, the tariffs or you yeah. know service propositions or the, the business models on and how, how the, the, the product functioned but they never really had to answer to the consumer in the same way that they do now and therefore never had to be creative and never had to, to sort of think of those things as as part of the of storytelling but of course actually if you're able to align those things properly then it's much more powerful so it's not it's not just looking at it from a defensive standpoint it's looking at it from a, an opportunistic standpoint say well you know if the world has changed and big organizations have this incredible kind of power if you just think about it in a slightly different way if you broaden the scope of, of marketing to think about it more as storytelling more generally and not just this kind of downstream here's the product go and excite the market about it more upstream saying actually if we could just do this with the product it will completely changes the way it operates within wow. you know within the within the network because of so on and so forth you know the natural remit for creative agencies is to help our, you know our clients to see the world that way and to help them you know realize those opportunities but you know i just said that in a sentence but that's a mammoth task for you know a bunch of reasons i've already touched on but i also think it's the most exciting thing for us in in the world in which we operate it's the sort of easiest way even though it's a mammoth task it's the easiest way to realize enormous value in a way that's not existed before and that, that, that doesn't exist in other disciplines because you know so you'd say making an ad you know you can make the best ad in the world but you're still going to pay 10 million quid to get it seen you know and even if you get that kind of viral effect and it kind of flips into being a sort of cultural event it's still not going to it's not going to add exp the exponential value that things can have if, if you know if they're more addressed at the, in this way that i'm talking about where the you know the the uh, you know the returns are almost limitless Nick, thank you very much. I've got one more question for you. I love how you think. I love how your brain operates and how you see things. And you, you having done this for such a long time and how things have changed so drastically so quickly. How do you see going forward five, ten years? What things do you see as trends that the future holds? And more importantly, what are the things you think are not going to change? Well, the thing that's not going to change is we're not going to we're not going to stop being human beings anytime soon. Well, you have to ask your Here East guys about that because they seem to have other <laughs> yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's, it sounds really you know it sounds glib, but when you look at all the things, all the things we've been through, the things that have stuck and the things that have you know gained momentum and become you know become more kind of central in this in, in this uh, arena are just the things that just are profoundly human are just basic things so if you look at facebook if you look at these you know things like that they're not new phenomena they're not like crazy futuristic it's not like we've turned into robots in a way we've just amplified our existing human traits in part through a more explosive way but part through a very positive thing which is just about the you know the power of sharing so i think in a way our humanness isn't it is a will never change or remain the same i think going forward what we might expect i think you know, it's been talked about in, in circles for a long time about, you know, post-digital and, you know, in a way it's irrelevant to talk about digital. But the truth is when, you know, when much more than half the world's still a profoundly undigital, it's still an issue because because being able to think freely and be able to sort of cut in and out of what might be have henceforth been described as digital is still difficult because all of those kind of barriers exist. You know, but I think going forward, these, these monolithic, kind of platforms will will diminish and will be replaced by a much more you know sophisticated array of of things and and also i think we'll stop this sort of novelty of, of digital will, will also fade somewhat because i think the opportunity for something to be as as influential and effective as it uh, you know changing as it has been will go uh, and what will replace it will be 
I think, uh, well, hopefully I'm being optimistic. It's just, it's just a greater natural focus on, on, you know, what's interesting and what can be done and what can be changed and, and you know, what can be created that will mean something to people and, and, again, kind of move them and do the things that we want to do with human beings, whether we're, you know, whether we're brands or whether we're, you know, activists or, or um, you know, whether we're just trying to have fun, you know. Um, it's a challenge for our own industry as well, because I think anybody that's been in the digital bit for a long time, and particularly those who have sort of chased the, the novelty aspect of it, I think that the shift is, is going to be, you know, it's going to be kind of back into the into the big melting pot of culture and, and understanding how we can really, really participate in that properly, rather than maybe expecting, as I think a lot of people have, that, you know, the whole world will just change the digital and we'll all be in charge, you know, rather than um, multiplicitous, you know, constitution where, we, where we're all playing together in a completely new way, you know, where the sort of orbits have all been shifted. Nick, thank you very much uh, for joining us in the digital cave and shining a little bit of light in this in this space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a great pleasure chatting to you and getting your insights. Thank you, John. Take care. Lovely. Really enjoyed that. Thank you, mate. Ciao. Bye. Bye-bye. This was the Digital Caveman Podcast. If you know any digital pioneers that you'd like for us to talk to or have any questions, mail us at digitalcaveman at thread.co.za and we'll get on them. If you'd like to make a comment or get in touch, find Thread on Facebook and give us a like. Thread-Digital Productions and Deployment. You think it.